Welcome to church. There's a showward assembly, an exciting congregation of God's people, under the pastoral care of Dr. Dennis Eng and his amiable wife, Pastor I.T. Our mission is to raise champions who are passionate for God, winning in life and changing the world. Our vision is to be a growing community of worshippers and ministers from every tribe and tongue, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Showward, raising champions. I want to teach this morning on the blessings of liberality or the blessings of generosity. The blessings of liberality. It pays to be liberal. It pays to be generous. In the world, you prosper by getting in our kingdom, you prosper by giving. The ways of God are not the same as the ways of the world. The world does not even understand what giving is about. The world feels that when you give, you lose. But we understand that when you give, you are not losing. When you give, you are attracting the resources of heaven in your direction. And it is profitable to give. But we are not only teaching giving. We are teaching giving liberally. We are talking about giving generously. Can somebody say hallelujah? Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 and verse 25. Let me read that in the New King James Version. And then I read in NLT. There is one who scatters. Yet increases. And there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. Someone who scatters and yet increases. And yet there is someone who holds more than is right. That is to say that God is really not against your withholding. But you don't need to withhold beyond what you should. Glory to God. It is not that every time anything comes into your hand, all of it must go out. That's not what the scripture is saying. But you don't need to hold, withhold, keep more than is necessary. The moment you do that, you move to the level of stinginess. In other words, there is a difference between frugality and stinginess. All right? You can be frugal in your spending. You can be very, as it were, very reserved, conservative, okay? But you don't need to be stingy. If you become stingy, then that is a foundation for your being poor. Bible says there is one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. My prayer is that as I teach today, the spirit of stinginess in anyone will be broken. If you have been stingy all your life, today you'll be delivered from stinginess. <laughs> In the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> Alright, the next verse. The generous soul, the liberal soul will be made rich. And he who waters will be watered himself. The generous soul, the liberal soul shall be made rich. Now, in our kingdom, you can give your way out of poverty. 
Did you hear what I just said? In our kingdom, you can give your way out of poverty. Can I say this to you that hard work is good. It will give you according to your labor. But giving provides for you and gives you beyond your labor. When you become a giver, you attract a level of grace that brings you resources beyond what you work for. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That's how our kingdom operates. That is how God works. And that is the reason I'm teaching this today because I believe God for you that you will prosper. I believe God for you that you will be rich in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I have that scripture in the New Living Translation? Give freely. Give freely and become more wealthy. Oh, glory to God. Give freely. Become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. May you not be stingy. I said, may you not be stingy. And verse 25 says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The carnal man cannot understand this. The man of the world cannot understand this. Cannot understand giving. Because giving is deeply spiritual. Giving is deeply spiritual. The carnal man cannot understand the things of the spirit. Neither can he receive them. Because they are spiritually discerned. People who criticize giving don't have an understanding. They don't know what it is about. They have no idea. But when you understand spiritual things, you will know that the pathway to prosperity is liberality, is generosity. And you commit yourself to expressing that and God will bless you in return. Can I hear someone say amen to that? Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let me read from 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Go on, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, know that, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. Verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then they gave themselves to us by the will of God. Can someone say amen to that? Beloved, this scripture shows to us that generosity is not a function of what you have. Liberality has nothing to do with what you have. It is a spiritual thing and it is driven by the grace of God. These churches, the Bible says that they were in deep poverty and yet they abounded in the riches of liberality. How could people that were in deep poverty become liberal? That clearly shows that it's not a function of what you have. 
Beloved, unless you have a liberal spirit, even if you're a multi-millionaire, you'll not be able to part with anything. You won't give to anybody. Even if you find somebody dying, it, you have a sense of loss to even give 1,000 naira out. Because you are not liberal, because you lack the grace for free giving. Beloved, please hear me. It's not a function of what people have. There are very stingy millionaires, but there are people that are poor and very liberal. When people do not have, and they have a liberal spirit, they can even get you a, a cup of cold water, if nothing else. They can even take any little thing to give to you. Are you with me? No matter what, somehow, because in their spirit, they can't see themselves not giving, so they must give to you. If you go to visit someone with a liberal spirit, whether you are fasting or not, you must eat. He said, you can't enter my house and go without eating. You must eat. Even if the soup is a mix of water, pepper, and salt, it's immaterial. But the important thing is that they give to you what they have. Because that is where they derive joy. They derive satisfaction from giving. They have a liberal spirit. When you have a liberal spirit, until you give, you'll be restless. So it's not a function of what people have. Is the spirit and the grace they possess. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? You can find rich people everywhere, even in some families, and yet it doesn't show. You can find them in churches, it doesn't show. Because they are not liberal. But when you're liberal, wherever you go, you make a mark. That's why I pray that the spirit of liberality will come upon you. You didn't say good amen to that? I said, may the grace for liberality, may it come upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. Have you noticed that they did not only give according to their ability. They gave, the Bible says, beyond their ability. And that is liberality. Liberality is giving beyond. Beyond what is convenient. Beyond what is comfortable. Beyond what you possess. Looking for something that goes beyond what you're able to give. But you know, when poor people give, they liberate themselves from the spirit and the yoke of poverty. Because what is poverty? Poverty is not the absence of money. It is a sense of lack. When poor people give, those who don't have, when they give, they put under subjection the spirit of poverty. That is why one of the ways to set your free, free from poverty is to cultivate the habit of giving. Every time you give and you give out of need, you give out of lack, you give out of poverty, you're setting yourself free from poverty. Glory to Jesus. Is somebody here what I'm teaching now? Are you following me? Glory to God. The churches of Macedonia, they showed us that it is not what you have, it is the heart that you possess. And they were able to give. I love what the last verse says, not only as we hoped, they exceeded our expectation in their giving. Because sometimes we think, oh, people that don't have, they won't give. And maybe we look in the direction of those that have. Sometimes the people that surprise you are the, those, the people that don't have. 
Sometimes. He said, not as we hoped. We thought they won't give much, but they exceeded our expectation. Say, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us. You know why they were able to give so much is that they had first of all consecrated themselves to the Lord. When you give yourself yourself to God, there is nothing you cannot give to Him. Did you hear what I just said? I said, if you could donate yourself to God, I mean, I'm just imagining now, Brother Kanemo, you put yourself inside the offering box. As an offering. Is it your money now that you cannot give to him? When you have first given yourself to God, there is nothing else. I have given myself, my car is, is, is even small. I've given myself to God, my house is nothing. I've given myself to God, my bank account is nothing. Because I have given myself. What is it that prevents people from being generous? It is called selfishness. Selfishness is a big retention of self. Yourself is too much. Yourself gets in the way of your giving. It is yourself that does not allow you. If you can let yourself go, generosity becomes easy. I believe somebody is hearing me. Is somebody hearing me? <laughs> Glory to Jesus. One day Jesus was sitting at meat in the house of Simon. And a woman showed up, midst of all the Pharisees, and she had in her hand a bottle of perfume put in an alabaster box. Bible says she brought the perfume, broke it, and poured all on Jesus. Ha! Everybody was shocked. What? Do you know how much it is? Judas Iscariot quickly brought her calculator. Ba -cha 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 -cha. Eh! 300 pennies. Jesus. This woman. The Bible says the people were indignant. They were angry. They were incensed. What a waste. You mean you went to Marxland and you bought a perfume of 300,000 naira. And you poured it on pastor. Your head. Satan has rented your head. <laughs> what? How could you do that? That's the worst. Now notice. He didn't give to the man of God to spray for one year. Because that would have been better. Right? If you give him the perfume, he will spray a little. And go to work. He, she broke it and poured everything. People look at her. She must be an idiot. She's wasteful. And Jesus said, leave that woman. Oh. Ha. She has done what she could. Leave that woman. Oh, because what she's done is so symbolic. She has, as it were, anointed my body for the burial. Leave that woman. What she has done is not a waste. Please, can you hear this? There is nothing you give to God that is a waste. Are you hearing me? Some people may not understand it. You may not totally understand. Do you know that woman might not have even known that she was anointing the body of Christ for the burial? Sometimes what you give might have such deep spiritual meaning that you yourself may not fully understand it. But you're following your liberal heart to give. Glory to God.
are you still here? Jesus said, when they said, ah, 300 pennies, ah, that would have been sold and given to the poor. Jesus said, don't worry, you will always have the poor, but me, you will not always have. So this is a good thing. Can I say this to somebody here? Until you give beyond reason and make people angry with your giving, you have not given enough. People don't mind your giving. What they mind is your giving liberally. What they don't like is your, your giving too much. Are you with me? People don't have a problem. Come and give offering in church. Dance 5,000 Naira dance. Give 1,000 Naira offering. They don't have a problem with that. The day you write a check of 5 million, they look at you. Ha, nah, this guy, you don't get what to do. Until people begin to complain about your giving. Until people think that you've lost your senses in your giving. Please hear me. You have not given enough. Jesus celebrated the woman. Even though the world was angry. Today the world is still angry. You doubt me? Check Facebook. But until you give enough for tongues to wag, you have not given enough. Can someone say, I hear that? Bible said, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, Solomon loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. And then he gave to God a thousand burnt offerings. He gave to God what? A thousand burnt offerings. There is no place you find in scripture that any man was commanded to give a thousand burnt offerings. Not one place. Not in Exodus. Not in Leviticus. Not in Numbers. Not in Deuteronomy. No man was commanded. But because Solomon had a liberal heart driven by his love for God, he went beyond what was demanded. And that is what liberality is all about. When you give what is demanded, it is an obligation. When you go beyond what is demanded, it is generosity. Glory to God. Please, are you with me? I'll give you an example. What is the men's dues for a year? Huh? 12,000 naira. When you give 12,000 naira as a man that is working, earning money, good money, and you give 12,000 naira, we clap for you. That's fantastic. You've done well. Congratulations. You have passed the mark. That is obligation. When you give 50,000, I said, that is what I give for the main fellowship. Instead of giving what was demanded as 12,000, that is generosity. Please, are you with me? Because nobody is forcing you to give more than 12,000. But out of a generous heart, you're giving 50,000. That, beloved, is generosity. Can someone say hallelujah? God was so moved. And God came to me in the night and said, come on, boy. You have done so much. What do you want me to do for you? God gave me a blank check. May God give somebody here a blank check because of your generosity. May you give so much that heaven will stand attention because of you. 
that God will say, what do you want, my daughter? What do you want, my son? Because of your giving. First Chronicles chapter 29, God had come to David and said to David, your hand is so full of blood, I don't want you to build me a house. I want your son, who is a man of peace, Solomon, to build me a house. Your hand is full of blood. And David, because of the kind of person he was, he had a generous heart. No wonder his son was also generous. May we pass generosity onto our children. So David said, okay, God said I shouldn't build, no problem. But he didn't say I should not provide building materials. So he went and got building, building materials. He got gold, he got silver, he got bronze, he got all the things that were needed for Solomon to build. Because he said, since God said I should not build, I am not building. It is like Kingsley. If I say, don't bring, don't contribute. God said you should not bring your money into this building. Oh. And then you say, that's okay. Osinachi. Say, that's okay. Then you go and tell your wife. Darling, pastor said that God said I shouldn't bring money into this building you are constructing on. Uh -huh. What is that your account number again? Your wife told you. I say, uh -huh. so you go and carry all the money in your account and put in your wife's account. And say, write the check. You're the one giving now. If pastor said, uh, who is giving? I'm not the one, no. You're the one giving. Are you with me? That is because no matter what he wants to give, generosity always finds a way. Are you, are you with me? Generosity always finds a way. You say, I shouldn't give this way, I look for another way to give. But people that are stingy just look for small excuses. Oh! <laughs> I was even waiting. Didn't you hear they say, I shouldn't give? If they even say you shouldn't give one month, you stretch it to five. There are people that are looking for excuses not to give. There are people. But that is because they are stingy. They are tight-fisted. Their hands are aradite. If you shake, nothing will drop. Gum. May God help such people. Say amen, no? Especially if you're one of them. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. Let me read the New King James and then read the message. Is somebody getting me? Are you getting something? Please follow me. This is very important. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Through his offering, God had judged him righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. By the way, what you give can immortalize you. What you give can speak long after you are gone. Please listen. You will not be remembered for what you got but you remember for what you gave. Nobody will remember you for the car you drove after you're gone. 
Nobody will remember you for the house you built after you're gone, but they will remember for the things you did for other people. Come on, we are doing Easter, right? We are remembering Christ because he gave of himself for us. It is not what you get that is as important as what you give. You can leave a memorial with your offering. Is somebody with me? You know, there are people we can't forget in this church. We can't. We can't forget them, not because they drove the biggest cars to church. Not because they had the finest titles in church. But when I remember this church, how we started, their offering is still speaking till today. Some people, it is because of their giving, were able to plant brand churches. Their offering is speaking. Oh, come on, remember that woman that I just talked about with the alabaster box of oil? Jesus said, don't worry. Wherever the gospel is preached, this woman's story will be told for a memorial. There are things you can do, friends, and you will never be forgotten. There are things you can do in your family, you will never be forgotten. There are things you can do in your community, you will never be forgotten. There are things you can do in this church, and you will never be forgotten by your giving. Glory to God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? But the Bible says, by faith it was that Abel gave. So the question is, how do we give by faith? How do we give by faith? Clear example is that church or the churches in Macedonia. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Take a look at that church. They are an example of faith givers. The Bible says in their deep poverty, they abounded in liberality. Giving by faith is giving in spite of your lack. Giving by faith is giving without looking at what you have in your bank account. For the Bible says, we walk not by sight, we walk by faith. That is what giving is all about. By faith. Glory to God. Giving by faith is giving beyond your present level. Giving at the level you expect God to take you. That is why the Bible says faith is the substance of things we hope for. The evidence of what you have not seen. If you give according to what you see, then it's not faith. You give according to what you have not seen. In other words, in your poverty, you give as if you're a multi-millionaire. Are you with me? You give as if you have. Not as if you don't have. Please listen. If you're one of those, you don't ever give. You think, me, I don't have. Me, I don't have. Then you're doing yourself a disservice. You're not doing well. Because if you're giving by faith, you'll give. Take your eyes away from your lack. The Bible says by faith. Abraham did not consider his body. He did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. That is faith. Hallelujah. Are you with me, somebody? Would you believe me if I submit to you that most of us do not give by faith? We give according to what we have. We give according to our bank account. Would I be correct to say that? We don't give according to what we expect. We give according to what we have. 
that limits our giving. That's why there are people that have been given 1,000 naira for the first five years. There are people that have been given 100 naira for the first five years as offering. They have not moved because they keep looking at what is left. They keep looking at what they have. We don't give by faith. Sometimes it's not in the general of giving. Sometimes it's in seeding. You find that a lot of people can't even stretch their faith to give at the level of where they expect. They are tied down by, by the limitations of your present economy and your present circumstance. But faith sets you free. Can someone say hallelujah? The second way to give by faith is to give with an expectation for a harvest. Amen? Are you with me? The Bible says by faith, when God demanded that Abraham should sacrifice Isaac, Abraham obeyed by faith, knowing fully well that God was able to raise him up and receive him back in a figure. That is giving by faith. When you give by faith, you give knowing fully well you're not losing. You know fully well that even if that is your last, that the God that promised prosperity will bring back what you have given. When you give by faith, giving is never a loss. Is somebody hearing what I'm teaching? Please listen. Let your spirit be open. I'm teaching this to stay with you. It's not about now. I'm not about to take an offering. I'm teaching so that you can understand and begin to live it. Can someone say, I hear? Two more scriptures and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me read from verse 5. Oh Jesus, thank you. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. And prepare your generous gift beforehand. Prepare your generous gift beforehand. Prepare your generous gift beforehand. That is one evidence of generosity. When you're not waiting to be compelled, when you're not waiting to be sweet-talked, when you prepare your generous gift beforehand. Please listen. It should not take the preacher who is taking offering for you to be generous. Generosity should come with you from the house. Did you hear what I just said? Hey, come on. I don't think you heard me. Generosity should come with you from the house. It shouldn't be that the day I don't read scripture and preach for one hour, you give 500 naira. If I read scripture and some assault for one hour, then you improve it to 5,000. No. You should be generous. There are some people in this church that they are offering, they cannot even show to their neighbor and be proud of it. That is why they think that we are giving envelope for them to hide it. So they make sure they quickly put it under the chair and nobody should see it because it does not represent them. So generosity should be a lifestyle. It should come with you from the house. Come on, is somebody hearing me? If we take an offering and we took an offering from this place, and at the end, the offering total 10,000. I will ask they should share back to them whatever it was you don't collect. Because I think that these people, 
if you give one one thousand, I should return it to you. And if you have been giving one thousand, it's because I don't know. The day I get to know, you say. <laughs> Hallelujah. Next verse. Oh, I didn't finish reading it. Therefore, I told it to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time, to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Next verse, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also do what? Let me hear you. Will also do what? Next verse, verse 7. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. For what? Let me hear you, church. For what? God loves a cheerful... Can you shout that? God loves a cheerful giver. Can you help me punch your neighbor and say, God loves a cheerful giver. Can you punch the next neighbor and say, God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, notice this, that Paul is teaching two things here. He's talking about sowing and he's talking about giving. Both of them are important. And when you practice either or both of them, then verse 8 comes into play. Can you read verse 8 together? One, please read. Some people are not reading. Stop. Some, no, what? Stop. People are not reading. Everybody read now. One, please read. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Towards who? Me. Towards who? Me. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance. And I pray that God will give you abundance. I say receive abundance. But the condition for this prosperity is found in the verses before. If you sow generously, you receive generously. Harvest generously. If you don't sow, if you sow sparingly, you also harvest sparingly. And then it says, let a man give as he proposes in his heart. Beloved, there is a difference between sowing and giving. There's a difference between sowing and giving. There is a way that giving can mutate Permit me to say, into sowing. Alright? But, giving and sowing are not the same. Permit me to read from my book, Kingdom Priority, on the differences between the two of them. By the way, I read this book a few days ago and I was so blessed. I wish I could have all of you read this book. If you have not read it, I plead with you to read it in your interest. It will bless you. Amen? So let me read for you the difference between giving and sowing. Number one is that you can give for any number of reasons. 
I can give to you that I love you. When I give to my wife, I give because I love her. When I give to my children, I'm not sowing a seed. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving out of an expression of my affection for my children. It is expected of a father. Please, are you with me? I can give as an act of charity. I meet someone that doesn't have, and I give, and it's good. And if I do that, I will be blessed. You give to your parents. You give to your friends. When your friend is doing something and you say, come on, I'm giving this to you. That's okay. But that's not sowing. You can even give to God out of your love for God like Solomon did a thousand bond offering because he loved God like David did all of the things left for the temple. But that's not sowing. Sowing is intentionally done by the farmer for a harvest. When you sow, you don't sow because you love the farm. Are you with me? You don't sow because you're in love with the farm. You sow because you need a harvest. If the farm will not give you the harvest, you look for another farm. Hey, come on, are you with me? You don't sow because you love the seed. You don't even sow because you have too much seed. You know, if you have, like women, they have too much shoes, too many clothes, and it's jamming the wardrobe, they can give some to their friends. But that's not sowing. When you sow, you're intentional. What you need is a harvest. So you're not sowing because you're good. You're not sowing because you're nice. You're sowing because you're hungry for a harvest. Glory to God. Are you with me? Number two. Giving benefits the receiver. But sowing benefits the sower. When you give, if I give you a pair of shoes, like Pastor Bola gave me a pair of um, slippers that I'm still wearing. I love the slippers. The H has caught, so it's calling for another one. Uh, Pastor Bola gave me slippers. That was to my benefit. I love it. If I give you money now, I write you a check and give it to you now, like you know, I were to give Prince a thousand dollars. That we good, right? <laughs> that will benefit Prince. Are you with me? But that's not sowing. When you sow, you sow because it will benefit you. When a farmer goes to sow, the harvest does not belong to the soil. The harvest belongs to the farmer. Please, are you with me? He doesn't go there and walk away and sow and leave it and the soil will go and harvest it. It is the farmer that benefits. It is the sower that benefits. So, sowing is in your interest. You know, some people think, hey, when I give, I give to the church. When you are sowing and an offering is called, it's got nothing to do with what it will be used for. It's got nothing to do with the need of the church. It's got to do with your blessing. Come on, is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Now? So when you sow, you're not doing the church a favor. You're not doing God a favor. You're not, for example, you, you don't actually give to your pastor as an act of charity. You sow as a seed for a harvest. That is why Paul said, that I don't desire. You have sent to me again and again. But I'm not talking because I can't do without it. I have learned both to abase and to abound. Not to live in plenty and to suffer want. He said I don't demand 
this because I want a gift from you, but I want a harvest so that fruit may abound to your account. If it is not a seed, it cannot have fruits. Please, is somebody hearing what I'm teaching? If it's not a seed, it can't have fruits. So I am saying that giving benefits the receiver, sowing benefits the sower. Number three is that you give what you have, whether good, whether bad, is immaterial. That's why the Bible says it is accepted by God according to what a man has, not according to what he has done. When Jesus was in church one day in the synagogue and people were giving, the Bible says Jesus stood over the offering tray, right? Which is probably what I should be doing. Stood over the offering tray and noticed that the rich gave out of the abundance. But one poor widow gave a mite all her earnings. And Jesus called the disciples and said, Do you know the best giver in church today? It is that woman. Because out of everything she has, she has given. Please, is somebody getting what I'm saying? So, that is giving. Whether it is big or it is small, you give what you have. But that is not with seed. With sowing is different. If you want to sow corn and you find out that the corn that you put in the barn has started decaying or weevils are eating it, will you say, well, that is what I have? Uh, the only corn I have now, it is... Uh, Partly eaten, rats had eaten some, let me take the rest. And then you put in the ground, you will not have anything. If rats have eaten your corn, you look for new corn to sow. Because the quality of your harvest is determined by the quality of your seed. So you don't sow because of what you have. Or let me say, you don't sow necessarily what you have. You sow according to what you expect. Are you with me? And you go out of your way to make sure that your seed is good. You don't say, uh, this is just what I found in my wallet. If what you found in your wallet is not good enough for the harvest you want, you look for a better seed to sow. Hallelujah. Next is that you can actually give when it gets to giving. Giving can be for anyone. You can give to your friends, give to your neighbors, give to your colleagues, give to the poor, give to the beggar. On the road. Give to anybody. But you don't sow everywhere. You don't sow, for example, on stony ground. It will not give you a harvest. Please, are you with me? You don't sow. Bible says, break up the fallow ground. Sow not among thorns. Beloved, it's only a foolish farmer that sows among thorns. You look for good ground to sow. <laughs> Many years ago, one of our friends who used to sow into this work at the beginning used to bring those days 20,000. 1998, 20,000 was plenty of money. How much would that be now? 20,000. Please, how much? 200,000? Huh? Maybe about 300,000. He used to bring that. I remember one day he came in the rain, running, say, ah, ah, the Lord laid on my heart to sow. Then one day he came back and said, Pastor Dennis, wow, this church, church is good ground. Very good ground. Let me tell you the testimony. Since I started sowing here, and he recounted for me the things that were happening on his job in the office. And he said to me, I will continue to sow. And he did until he left the country. 
Please, in case you did not know, show what assembly is good ground. The reason is because God is here. What we are doing here is not a joke. It's not any man's thing. It is the Lord God that is in charge and it's a good ground for your seed. Can someone say, I hear that? <laughs> you can also give at any time. Give at any time. Anytime. In the day, in the night. Cast your bread upon many waters. Anytime you like, you can give. Right? But you don't sow at any time. You don't sow every time. Sowing has seasons. Sowing has what? There is seed time. As long as the head remains, scripture says, there is seed time and there is what? Harvest. You need to be sensitive to sow during seed time. How do you know? Number one, the spirit of God will quicken it in your heart. Everybody's seed time may not be the same. There are times when the Spirit of God will ask you to sow. Be quick to respond. Are you with me? How do you know seed time? When opportunities for sowing present themselves. That is seed time. Don't let it pass you by. Let me tell you good seed time in this church. We are building. If your seed is not in the building, you're missing a good seed time. And we don't need to take an offering every time. I love it. Some of, some of us are writing checks to cover the building every month as they get paid. Some people as they get their business done. You don't need to wait. You can put 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, 1 million there regularly because this is the season for it. Jesus said the poor you'll always have. But you, me, you'll not always have. If you're thinking, oh, five years time, I will give. When I become wealthy, by then the building would have been long finished. This building will not be like this to the end of the year. It is in your interest to hasten to sow it now. Because this is seed time. Glory to Jesus. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? Let me also tell you another season for sowing. When you don't have. Isaac sowed in famine. When things are not okay with you, that's the time to sow. When your business is crawling, when your business is not doing well, that's the time to sow. When your expectations are failing, that's the time to sow. In a time of hardship, that's a good season to sow. Can somebody say, I hear that? Giving is at your convenience. Giving is at your convenience. If I have need and you have 10,000 in your pocket, you're not likely going to give me 10,000. You calculate what is convenient for you and give you maybe something like 2,000. But you see, if it is a seed and I say I need 10,000, you can bring that 10,000 and give to me. It is not convenient, but you have moved from giving to sowing. Please, are you with me? While giving is at your convenience, sowing is not at your convenience. By the way, you remember that scripture, you know, that we read now? God loves a cheerful giver, right? When you're to give, you're to give cheerfully. But you can sow tearfully. You can sow tearfully. He that goes weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless return rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him, bringing the harvest with him. 
While giving should be cheerful, sowing can be tearful. It can pain you. In fact, until sowing is sacrificial, then it is not, so, it's not sowing. Until sowing is sacrificial, bring tears to your eyes, you have not sown enough. Can someone say, I hear that? Glory to God. Finally, giving and sowing don't enjoy the same harvest. Give and it shall be given to you. Full measure. Pressed down, shaken together. To running over shall men give to your bosom. For the same measure you give, that same measure is what you receive. That's what the Bible says. So giving brings to you the same measure you give. But sowing does not. Bible says of the parable of the sower, when the harvest came, some received 60 times. 60 times what they gave. So, sowing brings, I mean, giving brings an addition. Sowing brings multiplication. Giving brings addition. Sowing brings what? 30 times. 60 times. A hundredfold. That's what the scripture teaches. Can someone say, I hear that? Finally, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 or 12. Is someone blessed by what I'm teaching this morning? Better be. Better be. Take hold of what I'm teaching. Live by it. It will profit you a lot. Will a man rob God? What will be the answer? Hey, come on. What will be the answer? No. No. Will a man rob God? But God himself says, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? And God answers, In tithes and offerings. Beloved, what is the difference between stealing and robbery? What is the difference between stealing and robbery? Guys, stealing and robbery. What's the difference? One is with violence. Which one is with violence? Robbery. You can rob at gunpoint. Whether it is with a stick or with a machet or a gun. Robbery is more brazen. More, more confrontational, right? You rob face to face. Say, give me your phone now. Or you lose your life. What is stealing? The time you, when you go, they take the phone. That is stealing. In other words, the stealer is afraid. But the robber is not. And God said, you don't only steal, you rob. Can you imagine holding God at gunpoint and saying, I want the money. God says, when you don't pay your tithe, and you don't give a good offering, that's what you're doing. May you not rob God again, no? <laughs> the Bible says all scripture is written by the inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for correction, for instruction. So this scripture was also written by inspiration so that you will hear today and repent from robbery. Mm -hmm. 
the next verse talks about the cross. And, and listen, we don't actually, in our covenant, tithe because we are afraid of the cross. No. Jesus became a curse by hanging on the tree so that the blessing will come upon us. So the curse of the law has been taken away. You see, the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant is that the old covenant came as a law. The new covenant is not lowering the standard for us. It's in fact raising the standard but it must come out of a willing heart. An obedient heart. Please, is somebody hear what I'm saying now? You will not say, eh, thou shalt not murder is in the Old Testament. So you go and kill somebody. Are you with me? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. All of them, we keep them. But not because if we don't keep them, we will be cursed. We keep them because we know that we have been given the grace. There is the spirit of righteousness on our inside to align us with the will of God. Please, is somebody with me? Are you hearing me? So, we tithe because we know it is the right thing to do. We tithe because we know there is a blessing. Verse 10 of that scripture, can you give it to me? Verse 10. Can you read this, everybody? One, please read. Wow. That's a great promise. And God is a promise keeper. He gets to the point of saying, test me, try me and see. Try me and see. Bring all. Why did he say all? Because in that time, just as in now, some people tried to be crafty. They have three businesses and income from different sources. They will tithe in one. And if you ask, are you tithing? Yes, I'm tithing. They have a salary and they have five businesses. They tithe only on the salary. Bring all. Can you say all? <laughs> all. Some people say, Pastor, I can't calculate my tithe. How do you know you're making profit? I can't calculate my tithe. You should, you should be out of business. You can't calculate your tithe. You need to go to school. If that is the excuse you're giving, it's because you're stingy. It's because you don't have faith. Do you know that giving, tithing, is a product of faith? I'm going to show you. It says, when you bring all your tithe into the storehouse, there will be meat in my house. Say, test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out what? A blessing. And the blessing of the Lord, it make it rich and has no sorrow with it. He said, you'll be so blessed that you'll not have enough room to contain it. Can somebody say hallelujah to Jesus? Beloved, Hebrews chapter 7 says, in those days, Human beings that died received tithes. But today, when we bring tithe to the church, it is not a human being that receives it. The Bible says our priest is the one with an eternal, everlasting priesthood. Call after the order of Melchizedek. Even Christ Jesus himself who takes our tithes today. 
Amen. That is why tithe is so profound and important. Hallelujah. Let me again read from my book as I close. Why should you tithe? Number one, it is scriptural. That's what the Bible says you should do. If you are a child of God, obedient, committed to obeying God's word, then you must tithe. Can I submit to you and celebrate those of us that are tithing? I've been to many churches. I've talked to many pastors. Most pastors do not have up to 20% compliance in tithing in their congregation. Some tell me less than 10. In Shoreward Assembly in the Mega Life Center, the tithing compliance of our members is not less than 70. 70%. Clap for yourselves. So you see, Madam Non-Tither, Oga Non-Tither, you see you're in the minority. You thought that most people don't pay. I disappoint you. Most people are obeying God happily. And it is time you joined us. Can someone say hallelujah? So it is scriptural. Number two, when you tithe, you recognize God as your source. You realize that God is the one that gave to you in the first place. What can you withhold from him? Don't be like a little child. You give your son biscuit and say, ah, come on, give to me. Say, Daddy, no. That is why, by the way, before I forget, we must teach our children to give. We must do what? Oh, come on, you're not talking to me. We must do what? As a parent, when your child is two, three, four, five, ten, make sure that the liberal spirit is inculcated. Some husband and wife, some marriage would have been better if they are, the couples were liberal. Some husbands are very stingy. Some wives are stingy. That is why challenges are in the home. That is why they are fighting. Learn to be liberal. Can you tell your neighbor, learn to be liberal? Learn to be liberal. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be liberal. When you're giving, you're not losing. So, second reason is that you recognize as God as your source. Third reason for tithing is that it releases your faith. I don't know anybody here that does not have more need than income. If you don't have more needs than income, then you don't have vision. Usually before the money comes, there are too many things to do. Is that not right? But it takes faith for you to release what you have. Knowing that God will provide what you need. Can someone say hallelujah? And the more you do that, the stronger your faith. Number four, it attracts a blessing. Of course, I've said that before. Number five, it provides for the work of ministry. Have you noticed that God said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be meat in my house? Tithing provides for the work of ministry. In case you're among those that think that, oh, when we tithe, it belongs to the pastor, not in this church. This church, right from the beginning, the pastor does not take the tithe. The tithe is used for the work of ministry. Pay salaries of our staff, buy our equipment, maintain our infrastructure, do outreaches, grow the church. That is what the tithe is for. And in every year, the tithe is usually more than the offering. So, if pastor were to take all the tithe, the work will suffer. It's common sense. 
Glory to God. If you love God, by the way, I always say, if you are a leader in this church or a worker in this church and you don't tithe here, you take your tithe anywhere house. For a start, that's not your storehouse. Your storehouse is where you feed from. Number two, it also shows you don't believe in what we are doing. If you believe in the work here, your tithe will be here. And you begin to tithe when you're tithing 1,000. So that when it is 1 million, the wrong ideas will not enter into your head. If you don't learn to tithe now that the money is small, when the money is big, beloved, the devil will send you on errand. I pray that God will help us. This is your season to prosper. I said this is your season to prosper. In the mighty name of Jesus. Stand your feet and let's pray. Sure Word Assembly is a Bible teaching ministry operating at different locations. Every Sunday by 9 a.m., we experience supernatural encounter with God as we worship Him and drink from the fountain of His Word. Every Thursday, we meet at 6 p.m. for teaching, prayer, and breaking of bread. If you need a church that will equip you to grow in the faith, empower you to succeed in life, and give you a platform to serve the Lord, Welcome to Shoreward Assembly. To learn more about us, visit shorewordassembly.org. Remember, with God, all things are possible. So expect a miracle today. And when you're coming for the next service, bring a friend along. Shoreward, raising champions.